Viewer discretion is advised. When people are not listening, then we're doing just as much damage. You know, if they die, all we did was st- stand there and watch them and walk away. Mandate. Welcome to Mandate, where we navigate fresh perspectives and nothing is off the table. Tonight's guest is from Tamaki Makaru, but originally from Pukepoto, uh, up, um, up north in um, uh, Kaitaia. And so she is renowned for her power, her boxing ability, for her grit and her skills. She's a professional boxer. And also she's um, renowned for not just any, um, her power and her, and her grit and her skills, uh, but also her professional record, which stands for with 17 wins and zero w- uh, losses. And six of them come, uh, coming by the way of knockout. Also, she's um, also had, um, a recipient of many awards, a plethora of awards. Uh, best Newcomer of the Year, uh, Best Debut of the Year, uh, Best Female Boxer of the Year, but also Best Boxer in New Zealand of the Year to, in 2020. And also 2021, Best Female Boxer of the Year once again. And also the New Zealand National Champion, Best Boxer of the Year, and many other uh, accolades and accomplishments that she um, has achieved. But also she's um, fought in several divisions super lightweight lightweight super featherweight featherweight and also super bantamweight and but more so she and more importantly she is a wahine tour uh, mother of five and also an amazing amazing person with an amazing story to share please put your hands together for the ibo super bantamweight champion of the world mayor the nightmare matu Thank you. That was an awesome intro. Oh, man. Kia ora koutou. Mea e maro, lovely, Thank you so much for coming on tonight at the, in the studio. It is, like I said before, it's a real privilege and an honour to have you, to have the IBO Super Bantamweight Champion of the World in our midst. And I thought it was just to start the ball rolling, uh, Mea, because we were there. We were actually there that fight several weeks ago. We were cheering for you. We were rooting for you. It was like, go, go, Mea. And I didn't realise, we didn't realise until later on that you actually popped your shoulder. Yeah, so dislocated when, yeah, it. Yeah, dislocated your shoulder. And so I'm thinking at that time, and so in your own words, Mia, did that ever kind of a slight or slightly deter you from your, your game plan? Or were you thinking, oh man, it's going to be a long night tonight? No, it didn't change my game plan. I just stayed focused. I was already mentally prepared anyway because I've been through way more challenges than that. And I say giving birth is the hardest challenge. So if I can get through that, I can get through anything. Wow. So that's that's how my mind stayed focused, and my coach Isaac Peach, like reassured me that I'm fine, I'm okay, you got this, and he said, "No, oh, this is going to be a long ten rounds, but you got this," <laughs> and so I was like, "Okay, sweet, I believe you," cool. and I just backed that. Man, what well, what describe for us in your words? Because how did how did how did the uh, shoulder pop and how did it dis- dislocate it? Because I know you, you were sharing it with me um, just out there before the cameras were on. But share with the, with the viewers how did the whole thing pan out and, and occur and how did it go back into into place? So when I threw my right hand, um, just as I was throwing it, she came with her right hand underneath and it quickly jolted and then I extended it and it just popped out. So that's how it happened because she came underneath and we both threw with speed and power, bang, and it just, there was no way of stopping it and it just came out and literally it locked. It didn't want to come back in and I thought, damn it. And she saw it straight away. I reckon she saw it straight away and she came charging and I was like, oh my gosh, stay away from me. And I was just trying to get it back in 
and it wouldn't go back in. So I just held my hand close because I was like, kept, now and again, I'd shake it and then I'd be like, oh, no. Nah. And it wasn't until like the last 10 seconds of the round and then it, it managed to come back in. And it still felt like it was still out though. I could still feel it and I was like oh and then like my coach massaged it and it felt a little bit settled and he was like you're okay and I was like yeah I'm okay I'm fine so I just handled it battled it and then the third round it felt like she must have hit it and it just I just carried on and it felt way better after that third round and I was like oh yay I can use my right hand let's go <laughs> so you're saying that during that time you were just using your just just jabbing just using your jab you left them all that time and trying to trying to protect yourself with the yeah. right. I could like I could still throw my right hand, but I just couldn't really feel it, and it took a while to warm up. And then after the third round, I was fine. Yeah. Oh man! What I think it was around okay. round two that because our table was not far from the ring, and I was going, "Jesus!" Do you think it was the cheering that made you like carry on? <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, 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 you think definitely it was table, not. Table, <laughs> like really, like people cheer, yeah, and like I can kind of hear it, but there's people's voices that I'm already used to and in tune, and like I just try listen for my coach's voices, and that's those are the ones that I'm focused on, so I'm not looking for anyone else's mm-hmm. voices. Everyone can yell, but. If they're yelling over the top of him, I'm like, oh, shush. Sh. <laughs> oh, that was Pete. That was Pete. That would have been Pete's voice. I'm like, damn it. Because, so, like, man, no one can ever drown, drown my coach out. Mm. He's so loud and vocal. But there was this one time and I could hear, Mia, Mia. And, like, it was so loud. And I was like, oh, it's the one time I've never been able to hear my coach. Because normally I can always hear him. He drowns anyone. But it was this one time and I was like, oh, shush, people. <laughs> so, like, I'm, like, trying to – and then, bang, I heard him. And I was like, there he is. And then I was just – I felt safe as soon as I heard him. That's me. Oh. So, Pete, next time you get invited to a <laughs> can you – Sorry, man, my bad, my bad. But, man, man good, but this, that's a good point now, man, because obviously you and Isaac Peach, great relationship. He's, your, he's a great coach. And you must be doing something in terms of the success that you guys are having in Peach Boxing Gym. So if you could describe for us, because um, you guys are quite, quite close-knit, and you've known him since what, since you were 14, 16? And so if you can tell us in your own words, what's it like being around him, but also what has he done in terms of helping you and assisting you and for getting you prepared to be the champion that you are? Oh, best word, he's crazy. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe him. But I love his craziness. And the thing about my coach, he's so raw, he's authentic, but he's honest. And he don't change for no one. He bees himself. And he just wants the best for us, especially his fighters. He loves us like we're his children. And he protects us no matter what. He will go to the bitter end for us. And so, like, the relationship with my coach, like, I knew him when I was young, when I was, like, 14. But, like, I didn't quite deeply know him how I know him now. Like, back then, I, like, knew him. He was, I was around him. And, like, he was crazy back then. He was, like, a heavy smoker and everything. I used to think, how was this guy fit? How was he a machine? (laughs) Like, because honestly, Isaac could smash any fitness test. It was freaky because I was like, man, and he smokes cigarettes. (laughs) He was crazy. And so I was just like, oh, my gosh. But he always spoke his 
like he was always very vocal and that's what I loved about Isaac. He was very vocal and he'll just tell people how it is. He didn't falter anything. He'll just tell you honestly. And then I found Isaac again after I had my fifth child and I was literally just coming back to get fit and then like I came back he wanted me to be a professional boxer so I was like okay why not give it a go I gave it a go and we built a really strong relationship like Isaac's like my best friend you know I look at him like he's like my brother you know and Alina his wife is like my sister you know they're they're so protective of me they they only want the best of me. Like literally when I opened up about my story and what I had been through, Isaac clearly said to me, he was like, you're never going to go through it again. Me and Elena are here to protect you. Peach Boxing's here to protect you. We'll do anything to make sure that never happens again. And when things have tried to happen to me, him and Elena are the first people straight on site. Before any police or anybody. Literally I ring him and he's, he will zoom down there as quick as possible and he'll be there and he's he'll rescue me and he'll just make sure that not just me, but my kids, my family are okay. We're in a good place. So, you know, that's a good, strong relationship. And he does that not just for me, he does that for our gym, all his fighters. He he does the best for us and he works really hard. Like people don't see what Isaac does behind the scenes. He's amazing. I don't know how he functions. I swear he should have been in a mental ward because (laughs) the amount of people he deals with, like my coach, he's a coach, he's a plumber, and he's a boxing promoter, really. That's how I feel because he runs his own boxing and he's a boxing um, matchmaker. Then he has to deal with all the politics, you know, amateur and pro, which is just crazy. And he's always going toward them because – one thing about Isaac, he hates liars. We all hate liars and just be honest. If you don't like him, you don't like him. He likes people, he'll respect you more if you tell him the truth. But don't be fake because he can smell it and he can see it. And he just won't respect you if you're going to be fake and you're going to lie to him. Jeez. Because that, that, that'd be quite rare, eh? Um, yeah. Like you think of promoters and, and coaches. And sometimes coaches sometimes probably might, might not have the best interest of their actual fighter. And thinking about the money and, and the, yep. the dollar size. Oh man, that can if I can use this this boxer to, to to make me a lot of money. But it sounds like Isaac is real passionate about his his fighters. And, yep. I, and Jerome said the same thing. He said the same exact same thing. Man, I'll I'll, be, I'll say loyal. If I go to the states, I won't change stables. I'll I'll stay with um with Isaac. And so, oh, hundred yeah, percent. That's awesome. Hello, that's awesome. I got my ta- I got the tattoo of our gym on me. Hey, did you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Right on my neck. But that's because they've, Isaacs and his family have shown me what loyalty is and what trust is. You know, they've, and they've given me nothing but compassion and love and nurtured me and shown me what life's all about. They've even given me the tools of like how to run my own business. You know, there's like, because I never thought, I didn't even know how to pay a bill or anything. And him and Isaac and Elena have taught me that, you know, and that's, I can't, like, you, people, some people are like, I thought I was going to drown, but no, Isaac and Elena helped me, and they're so protective, and so are the kids, you know, <laughs> Zen, Rocco, Apollo, and Jet, they're 
all the all four of the kids they're so protective of me and when i say like oh this person pissed me off they support me 100 percent. they're like oh they were mean to me how dare they be mean to me it's like they got my back and you know i just love those kids they're amazing man that's awesome i remember reading about you and zen in particular um zen is really passionate about coaching and that you guys have a really special bond and i thought man how cool that at a young age you had met Isaac and then to come full circle now and be building this connection with his kids and then obviously your kids um, in that sort of circle there. Um, how cool is that for it to come full circle um, for you? Oh, I still freak out. Like I, I still, like I look back at it and I'm like, when I was 14, 15, 16 and I knew Isaac and I just found him annoying and I was like, but he was cool at the same time, but sometimes annoying because he's so full on. And then I, and then I, Fast forward and I'm like, wow, look where I am now. I'm like sitting right in front of his kids. And, you know, I'm being a role model for his kids. And it's just like, it's amazing. You know, and they're also teaching me about life too. You know, because one thing I, I love about children is they give their real authentic honesty. You know, <laughs> yeah. kids don't mm. filter anything. You know, because mm. most adults, they sometimes they don't want to come on like full straight on they, they're kind of like oh i'll come uh, around and, and be a bit gentle where kids are just tell you straight how it is yeah. and it's like wow thank you for the honesty and i appreciate that it's because for me it's like that's how i want to be that's how i want to i take it way better when people come straight on when people kind of come around the bush it's kind of like oh you're just being nice is it really real and that's what i love about children you know they just there's no filter I'm, I'm assuming that you just like that, um, yeah. There's no filter. You just hey, you just say it as, as it is. Yeah, I just speak my. I just speak it, say it. I don't need anyone to tell me. Like a lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't be saying this and that, and I'm like, why? Don't tell. Don't silence me, because if you're gonna silence me, then we're teaching everyone that it's okay to stay silent. You know? No, well, I'm gonna use my voice. I stayed silent for how many years? I'm done with that. I want to normalise the uncomfortable. I want to normalise the failure because it's okay to fail. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be ashamed. That's what I want to normalise. And people don't speak about it enough. And the only way we normalise it by speaking it because we all go through it. We all go through challenges. We all go through, you know, just constant challenges in our lives and we get frustrated, stressed, angry, but we don't speak about it. Because we're ashamed to speak about it when we should speak about it because that's what helps us get through. Because when we speak about it, we, we, we actually hear ourselves and then we're like, oh, wow, that was a relief. What was I ashamed of? There was nothing really we were ashamed of. And people were just so scared to use their voice because everyone wants to hear the success. But without the failure, you can't succeed. True. That's how I see it. Man, there's some, there's some nuggets there. Mm. And, and just speaking on family, is it because with family, family fight, yeah? And so I imagine, does that make it interesting in terms of having your families so closely integrated? Are there times where you have disagreements and obviously you have to have uncomfortable conversations because of who you are, um, but also just for the betterment of each other's families, your unit together. Um, how do you navigate some of those conversations with Isaac as 
a family man, as an individual, as a mother, um, you know, aside from also as a trainer and a boxer? We're just, we don't even look at it like that. We just speak the truth and just use our voice. Because for, like I've always, like Isaac always says, if he doesn't know, how is he, like how are we meant to get through that in a fight? So he needs to know everything. And when he told me that, like, he needs to know everything about his fighters because he, if he knows everything, he can switch it really quick in the corner. Because what happens outside of boxing, people don't realise. What happens in boxing, it also happens outside. It's to do with our daily life because boxing's mental. It is definitely 100% about mental attitude. It's all about attitude. And see, attitude being, can be at home your daily life, your work. And if Isaac doesn't know it, then he doesn't know how to change and tell us to support us in that corner when we're, when we're in that fight because fighting is definitely a mental challenge. And we need that. We need the, our coach to be 100% and know when we feel like we want about to suck out or when we're being a bit too aggressive in that fight and we're using too much energy. So Isaac needs to know that stuff because then when he's in the know of it, he'll be like, okay, I know how to, I know how to tug that. So like if I, look, I, one time in the corner, I was like to him, he said, how do you feel? And I was like, I feel okay. And he was like, no, be honest. How do you feel? And I was like, I'm okay. And so I chickened out and he was like, don't you chicken out on me. And he switched straight away. He just went full throttle and was like, you're here for your kids. You do this for your son. And then I switched straight away <laughs> because he knew what I had been through and the challenges I have through at home. And he knew my mental state of mind and what would pick me up. So because he understands and he knows everything about us. And so it plays a big part in boxing, which people don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So what kinds of things... Would you guys disagree? Have there ever been a time where you both disagree on something where like he's adamant on something you're like, nah, I, I you just believe otherwise? Oh yeah, we we always have our arguments, <laughs> but we laugh about it because like it won't like if he's really serious, and I'll know, which is hardly ever, he'll be like, nah, and he'll snap and he'll swear and he'll be like, nah, don't fucking put up with that. Oh, sorry, no, don't put up good, with that. Like you know, and he'll. He'll abuse us and he'll be like, no. And I'll know straight away because of the tone of his voice. And I'll know straight away, oh, no, he's serious. Okay, I better start listening. Because most of the time we're always arguing. <laughs> I'm always getting smart and then he gets smart. And then I'm like, oh, you're not going to win this one. I'm getting you back. So we're always disagreeing, of course. We're, it's never sweet. Like People always think, oh, you and Isaac must be have a great friendship. And Oh, no, nah, we always have... We always head butt all the time. He heads butts with all of us. But that's what makes it fun and interesting, you know, because he, we be ourselves and that's all he wants. He just wants us to be us. And he always says, don't change for nobody. You guys just be yourself. And he'll back us 100%. Because there's times where I'm like, oh, I don't really feel comfortable. He's like, well, don't do it. Don't do it if you don't want to. And then I'll think about it and I'll be like, oh, no, I think I'm ready to do it. And he'll be like, okay. Cool. So he supports it. But if he knows it's wrong, then he'll he'll make a stand and he'll put his foot down and he'll make sure we we hear him clearly because he'll fight to the bitter end and he won't give up. Like, we'll try it. Like, I'll be like, nah, nah, I'm doing it. No, nah, I'm doing it. He's like, no, nah, 
no. And he just kept put his foot down. And then I'm like, oh, no, nah, he's serious. I better listen. <laughs> Man, he's, cool. he's a real character. He's a real yeah. character. <laughs> Sorry, um, Meg, if, if we can run it back, you said something about being silent for, for many years. And I know uh, we, heard, we heard about your story and, and we saw some of the, the, the articles, but also the, the interviews. But in terms of silence, because you, because you right now, like man, you don't sound like someone who can stay silent. Because you like, <laughs> you sound like someone who's quite, quite vibrant, full of energy. But in, in that, in those times, maybe if you can just touch a little bit on on why why you were silent, but also the the emotions and the and all the, the audio and the incident around you being silent. If you can just share with us, that'd, that'd yeah. be great for those who don't have never heard it before. Oh yeah, definitely. So I went through domestic violence. And I, my partner at the time, which was my ex-husband, he's in prison now. He abused me physically and mentally and controlled my life for about eight to ten years. And for two years I was trying to get out of it. And I was in and out, in and out. I was on the run and I struggled, you know, because I lived in fear. Because I didn't want, I was tired of getting hit, I was tired of getting abused, and I was tired of getting controlled. And I just lived in that fear, and I was, he made me feel self-worthless, and he made me just not appreciate who I was. And he turned me into a, a person, I felt like a monster, I felt ugly. And that's because he just constantly made me feel like that. He would always drill me and say, you know, I'm in charge of you, I control you, I'm the boss of you, and he did. And I allowed it, I accepted that. And so he always made me scared because when I did try to speak to people, he would threaten me and then he would threaten to hurt those people. So I lived in fear for that long, for 10 years, I'll say. I lived in fear and I stayed silent because I was ashamed to tell anyone and because to me that was just like oh no people don't talk about that you know people live a great life and you know I looked at myself like I was a failure if I did speak about me getting abused and I felt like it was my problem that I should have fixed it you know and that's my I, I chose to be with this person I chose to have kids to this person I chose to marry him so I chose I for me it felt like that was my decision, so it's my decision to fix it. It's my problem. That's how I saw it. And I was just too scared. And when I did speak to people, I spoke to like one or two people, you know, they looked at me and they were like, well, you're the idiot for staying in it. So I held that and I let that captivate me and I let that control me. And so I stayed silent for that long. And it wasn't until... I met Isaac and Peach Boxing. They started telling me, like, they started making me feel comfortable because I had a wall. I wouldn't let anyone in. I had this tough persona, this ego, like, you know, I didn't want to tell people. But it slowly got out and then I just slowly started talking about it because they would ask, like, oh, you know, what happened? You know, because they knew my ex-partner because he was a boxer as well. So... I would tell, slowly tell Isaac and then he was just like, hey, that's wrong. And then I'd tell the, the boxers at my gym and then they'd be like, that is so wrong, you shouldn't have to go through that. And Isaac and Alina reassured me that it's okay 
you can tell us. Like, we're here to help. We're here to support you. And when I did speak, I felt free. And I thought, is this all it is? I didn't realise how... I thought it was so hard, but it wasn't. (coughs) It was real people that wanted to really help me and be there for me. And that was my coach, his wife, and my team, Peach Boxing, you know. And the greatest thing was I never valued myself for so many years. Wasn't until I walked into Peach Boxing and, like, I must have been only there for, like, a month or two. And I'll never forget, and I still haven't forgot, Andre Mikhailovich. He was like, you know, because I was talking to him about like stuff that I had been through. And he goes, you should never have to put up with that, Mia. Do you know you're you're beautiful inside and out? I'm not looking at you like that. Like, I just care about you like a sister, you know, as a teammate, as a boxer. You're really beautiful. And know that you are. And I've always held that because I didn't, I didn't value myself. And then Jerome... You know, he always makes sure that I'm okay if I need anything. And I was shocked. I was really shocked. Like, these people are here to help me. They want to genuinely help me. Not just because what I've been through, but they cared about me for me. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so cool. that was, you know, they, they made me, that's how I started valuing. And I started dropping my wall down and I started appreciating myself because they were telling me and they – they weren't just telling me on the one-off. They would tell me all the time. And they would always, And Isaac and Elena would always tell me, we're here. We're here to help you. You're never going to go through that. That is just, like, they were shocked too. And, like, it took me a while to get used to it because it felt so weird because I was never, like, I was never, I would never speak to people. So when they would tell me, I would be like, I had to reassure myself, like, oh, my gosh, are these people being serious or they're just, they're just lying to me? But they weren't. And they still tell me that till this day. And so that's what made me realise, like, you know, it wasn't until, like, this year when I started speaking about my story, I started to realise, like, wow, we need to change how life, like, everyone in society only talks about success but doesn't talk about the struggles because everyone's ashamed to talk about it. And if we don't change that... We need to change it because we literally need to change and speak about those struggles because if we don't speak about it, then people are never going to change. They're always going to remain the same and just speak about success because everyone thinks that, you know, once you hit the top, like I've won a world title and they think everything's roses and it's (laughs) great. It isn't. It's still challenging. It's still hard. you still got to work. You know, you still... You still got to wake up to five kids every day and you still got to be a mum and then you've got to go to work. So you you just, it's never easy because people think it's easy. It's not. It's always challenging and there's always obstacles constantly thrown at you. But it's how we get through them. Are you going to be an overcomer and get through it? Because that's, that's how I feel. Like everything that gets thrown at me, I'm just like, okay, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to overcome it and I'm going to get through it and I'm not going to give up. Because then what am I teaching my kids? What am I teaching our people? You know? And I want to teach people that it's use your voice, speak, and don't be afraid to be ashamed because no one likes talking about a shame. Like people don't even like talking about their they don't even like talking about when they're broke or homeless or they they need food. 
people don't want to talk about it. And there's nothing ashamed about that because we all go through it. We all go through some type of struggle, but it's just different scenarios. But we all go through t- type, any type of struggles, you know. And that's what people don't understand because they just look at that. They just look at it like, oh, you're going through struggle because you're broke. But people can go through struggle at work. They can go through struggle in their sports, their hobbies, you know, and just in everyday life they can go. But it's all different types of scenarios, which people don't understand. And it needs to be spoken, you know. Even when you're stressed, angry, you need to share your emotions, your feelings. Because everyone thinks that you've got to have this tough persona, like, you know, especially for males. Like, I feel sorry for men because, you know, they have, like, for them, they're, Everyone looks at them like they're the alpha, you know. they got to be strong. Don't show tears. And I say to my son, son, if you want to cry, a real man cries. It's okay to show your emotions. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel frustrated. That's why our men lose the plot. That's what I find. Because they get so frustrated, it's all built up. And then they end up lashing the wrong way because we silence them. And because they have this, everyone looks at them that they have to be tough and strong, you know, and they don't. They're allowed to break. Allow them to break because it's okay. But it's how they get back up. We need to nurture that. You know, we need to give them the, the coping mechanisms, the tools to help our men and just even our, not just our men, our females, our kids, Everyone in life, we need to give them those coping mechanisms because not everyone has it. Not everyone's being taught it. And that's why everyone stays silent. Oh, mate. Man, you just threw some bombs already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you threw some bombs, all right, man. Uh, I totally um, took all what you're saying. And just because I can imagine back in those those years when you were kind of silent and, and, you, and your ex husband was, was doing what he was doing. And you're kind of isolated in those thoughts. And even when you did tell those people or those, whoever they were, hey, I'm going through some stuff, and they said, oh, well, that's, you're the idiot for staying in the, in the marriage. That would have been crushing because you, yeah. you, you're trying to, trying to look for help or get help. Yeah. And then they turn around and say, oh, yeah, you're, you're the idiot. Yeah. You're the problem. You're the one who's, um, who's probably the one that should be pretty much saying, oh, well, it's just deal, deal, um, deal with it on your own. Yeah. And then to flip it on the flip side, to get someone and you join uh, peach boxing and you get people saying, hey, now you're all good, you're beautiful, you're great, you're in, in building up your self-esteem and your self-worth. Yes. That would have been, and it's, 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 it's so sad because it, that would have been very foreign, like you were saying, very foreign for you to hear that. And I know a lot of our people as Pacific Māori, when you do compliment them, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it really don't. We kind of pull yeah, off we and we're like, yeah. Like, do you really mean it? It's we so, become judgmental, yeah. and then we look at them and like mm, they're just lying. But, but kudos to you for for, um, for pushing through and, and finding the right people and the right supports and conquering um, those demons and getting yeah. out of the situation. But I got to ask your kids because I know your kids would have would have seen all of this unravel. How in you in your own experience in terms of your kids, what's been the not only the learning for yourself, but also what's been the the change or the things that you've seen with your kids in terms of the incidents from the past until now? Has there been something in terms of affecting that has really affected them or been embedded in them? Or are they kind of, now? Nah, we're all good now. We're all good now, Mom. My kids are good now because I'm at peace with their father. Wow. I have forgiven them. 
And they say, like, that was probably the most hardest thing for me to do. But I had to look at my kids and not look at me and him. You know, we get so captivated in ourselves and how we feel, not realising that how we feel, our kids feel, and they see it, they hear it. They act like they don't, and we think that we're, we're hiding away and we're hiding it from them, but they find out kids are so clever and they're so intelligent. They know how we feel because they're around us all the time. So we can try, like a lot of times I'll try put a brave face and be like, oh, happy, but my kids knew I wasn't. They knew that I was hurting. Even after so many years, even being free from him, they knew I was in pain. But at the end of the day, that wasn't their fault. You know, and they felt stuck in the middle, which I didn't realise till last year, you know. And it felt selfish of me because I was like, wow, I'm stopping my children. I'm controlling my children's feelings. I'm controlling them and holding them back from their father that's not that's not right of me because I'm an adult and I want to know my like for example I would just be like okay say if my dad was a bad person and my mum turned around and said to me like I'm 33 and my mum said to me you're not allowed to talk to your dad and I'm like what I'm an adult who are you to tell like he's my dad at the end of the day you know so I had to look at it and not put my feelings in that I had to look at how my kids felt and what they needed because we neglect it, our children that we hold them back from actually getting to know who they are and understand they need to know who their mother and father is. They need to figure out for themselves. It's not my job to control them and tell them, no, you shouldn't be spending time with them or no, you shouldn't be speaking to them because I'm just holding them and I'm hurting them more then I'm hurting myself. And so when I realised that, I was like, especially my son, because he felt stuck in the middle. You know, my 10-year-old, which is the baby. And he felt stuck in the middle. And he struggled because he was so scared to speak to his father. He, he wanted to speak to his father because he wanted to get to know his dad. And he didn't want to hurt his mother, me, because... He felt like he was hiding and he was lying to me. So it was hurting him and it was crushing him. And then as soon as I saw that, I was like, no, I need to change as a mother and I need to put my feelings aside because at the end of the day, he's still the father. I can't change that, you know. No matter what, he gave me three beautiful kids that I'm grateful for. That's life. We, we, the thing is, we brought these three children into this world. We gave life to them. We, he's a father, I'm a mother, so I shouldn't have to take his rights away as a father. That's not my decision to make. That's my, my kids to f- decide that. They're in control of that. So I don't control that. So when I dropped that guard and I thought, okay, I'm going to come back to peace, I, I like literally was like, you can speak to your dad. And I started speaking positive light about, I started saying to my kids, your dad is a really good dad, but he was a really horrible partner towards your mummy. 
So I was really honest with my kids. And I, uh, I didn't tell them the actual scenarios, but I gave them an idea, like an idea of what I had been through. And they respected that. They were like, we know, mum. We just acted like we didn't know. And I was like, wow. And I said, well, as soon as I told them they can speak to their father, they felt free. And they were always so scared to speak to me as well because they were scared that I would chop their head off and like, snap. Because they lived, in, they lived in fear of me. I don't want my children to fear me because they were living in fear because they were scared to speak about their father, which I shouldn't stop that because that's unfair to them. So as soon as I let that go, my, my kids just evolved and now they speak to their father every weekend and, you know, my son understands who he is because at the end of the day, he, they need to figure out their identity as well. They know where they're from, they know who they are, but they don't know who their father is. So how are they meant to fully know who they are until they get to know who their dad is? Because people can, or at the end of the day, I always say people can say he was this, this, this. But you will respect the person when you hear it from their mouth. That's how I just feel personally. And I wanted to protect my children's mental health. So I had to drop myself and let my guard down. And now I'm like, wow, I'm at full peace, you know. I like, the thing is I always say, you know, the good thing is, this is a really good example I use for people, like especially for people that go to church and that believe, right. You know, you look at Jesus Christ the sacrifice he did, you know, how many people he t- that turned on him, you know, they were so evil, but he still loved them, and they were the worst people, but he still loved them, and so for me, if he, if, if Jesus Christ could still love his enemies, then why can't I, and I finally found peace at me, I was finally able to let go and evolve, and I was like, is that all it took was to forgive and forget and let go and now let my children grow and build and let them figure out who their father is. Not me tell my kids who their father is because that's not, because I can always, like I could just turn around and say, your dad was this and this and this. But it's up to them to make their decision on how they view their father. It's not up to me. That means that I'm controlling my children. That's unfair to them. So that's what I learned. Man, Mia. I can guarantee right now, Mia, there's a lot of people who are probably listening and watching this. You just probably unlocked a lot of bitterness. Yeah. A lot of bitterness. I think a lot of people are like, man. And they're probably thinking, man, I've gone through all this stuff, uh, holding on to this grudge for years, and they may have gone through the similar situation as you. And hearing you share those words may have unlocked some people to think, man, I'm I'm doing more damage to myself. Yeah, I'm doing more damage to my my whanau and my kids because I'm still holding on to this this bitterness. This bitterness, yeah, and it eats our hearts. Um, yeah, and unforgiveness. Oh man! But if you truly love, you will truly forgive. Oh man, yeah. Otherwise, preaching. I always say like, otherwise you have a hardened heart. Yeah. Mm. So it's not true. It's not true love if you have a hardened heart. During during those ten years, um, do you feel that your heart was hardened? Yes. Yeah. It was hardened for so long. Mm. It's only this year I'm at peace. Mm. I'm at peace, and this year has by far been my best year. 
mm. as a mother, as a boxer, and just as myself. Mm-hmm. I've just evolved and growth, and I'm just I feel so peaceful. I, like I always make mistakes. Like there's things, there's times when I'm like, ah, like there's things mm-hmm. that will remind me, and I'm like, damn it, you know, I get angry, but that's only within like a minute or two, and then I just let it go. I just embrace that moment and let it go and move on, leave it, you know, because the past is the past, you know, you know, you, you you wrap that in a paper, chuck it in the bin and leave it in the bin. Don't keep bringing it up. Because then, you know, you know, like how you have a scar and a sore? Well, you just keep picking at it and it's never going to fix. Yeah. That's what your heart does. And that's what you're doing to yourself. We don't realise that, you know, you're adding, you keep ripping that heart apart because your your heart is hardened. You're not fully fixing it and you're just constantly picking and picking at it. It's never going to be healed until you get at peace with it. Don't let the bitterness get the better of you. Life's way too short to hold that bitterness. You can hold it for a minute or two, but let it go because otherwise it eats you as a person and then you just become bitter and nasty and you don't even realise that you're passing on that vibration, that energy onto other people. It's unfair. Yeah. You know? And sorry, Mia, because just so – and you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to because I I don't want to, like, resurface stuff, but just so people have an understanding – of um those 10 years like what can you like how can you like illustrate like i mean you you know how we've we've all seen once we're warriors yeah did you see like did that resemble your life or yeah very similar wow very similar like i'll give you a scenario like i was sleeping in my room my kids were in one room and it was about three in the morning and he walks in with a crowbar and I get beaten by a crowbar and I was like all I want to do is survive because I have three beautiful children that I need to live for because who's going to look after them I need to fight for them so I just held on and I allowed that I allowed him to keep beating me but I got up and I stayed strong because I wouldn't let it beat me because my kids are what kept me alive. So, yeah, I've, and that's that's just even one. That's not <laughs> – there's plenty more. I've had a steel cap boot. I know what it's like to be dragged by a car and being tied to a rope. I know what it's like to be drowned in the ocean. And I know what it's like to be left deserted in the middle of nowhere and you're trying to find your way back home. So that's the life that – that's just a little bit of what I've endured. But I don't let that defeat me. I let that, I've overcome that. And if I didn't go through that, like I don't regret it. Because at the end of the day, I can be that voice for other women, other, and not just even women, for me, for other people. Because I see men get beaten by women too. So by other people, I can be that voice. And I can speak because people respect it, respect you when they're gone, when you've gone through it. But if you're just going to tell people, like you know, you go to shrinks and stuff, and for me, if I went to a shrink or I wouldn't go to a council or anything, because I'd be like, "Have you been through what I've been through? Do you understand what I've been through?" So for me, 
I want to use my voice and I want to be that role model and I want to lead by example because people will respect me because I've been through it. And I know there's plenty of women and plenty of men that are still going through it to this day. And if they hear me, because I wish I heard somebody, and if I hear them and they can hear me, I want them to know, don't speak to one person, speak to multiple people. Because they the abuser will try silence you, but the only way you can silence them is by talking to multiple people. The more you talk, the better it is for you. You are way safer. That was the thing that I didn't learn. I learned that I only spoke to one or two people. But I wish now I look back at it, if I spoke to so many people, like 20 people, police, you know, friends, work, the, the word will get around. And more and more people will know, and then they start hiding. Then the abuser's like, oh no, everyone's starting to know who I am. They'll try silence you, but the more people they know, their eyes are all on you. So that's what I want for the people that are going through any abuse, domestic violence, you know, speak to multiple people. Even if they don't, if they tell you that, oh, you're an idiot. No, carry on speaking. Keep using your voice. Don't give up. You know, fight. Because you didn't hold on for this long. So carry on and keep going. Trust us. And thank you, like, because, you know, the saddest thing about um, the story is that this is a reality to a lot of it our is. families. Yep. And um, this was a couple of years ago when they, I think it was like one in every five homes yep. experienced domestic violence. So you can walk down the street, every fifth home, someone's experienced some sort of domestic violence. And, you know, you're getting all these accolades down and people see this the 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 glory but they don't know the crap that you yeah. went through and and we we've just met you tonight like personally and you you are beautiful you're this you know there's this gracefulness that comes that oozes through you and 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 just hearing a little bit of your story is like man th- it gives hope yeah. to that woman to that man to these families to these children who are going through the same thing that there's this hope and and you being that voice and the advocate, it's it's oh man, it's amazing, powerful, powerful, it's powerful, yeah, powerful and, man. And like every time I look at you, like even when you're talking, I didn't even know the story. I'm like, I was getting emotional. Okay, man, this person is amazing. <laughs> oh, and and, and like we got daughters, we all have daughters, and yeah. I got an 18 year old daughter, and you know, you you can you're, I'm. Blessed that we get to meet someone that our young woman get to look up to. So, thank you so much, sister. I think they should be doing a movie on you, man. <laughs> oh, thank like, you. Uh, I reckon one day they will. But um, yeah, such a amazing story. And what is like you? You went through all of that. A lot of people would have wanted to give up. Yeah. What was other than yeah? You know, so it was your children that made you hold on. Yeah. So like. The biggest thing, you know, what gave me the biggest strength was my daughter, and she still to this day has not forgotten it. She put her life in front to save her mother. And the courage, she was only eight years old at the time, the courage and the strength that my daughter showed me, I was like, why can't I do that for her? 
and she's only eight years old and she wanted to sacrifice her life for me and I was like no way I am going to be resilient I'm not gonna back down and I will fight to the bitter end and I will sacrifice my life because my daughter was willing to give up her life and, you know the greatest thing that I learned you know like you're talking about daughters hmm. you know for me you know I don't want the same thing for my daughter yeah. so one thing that I've built that I've taught myself and I've learned just recently is to build trust with my daughters. Like, you know, my daughter, she was very, she was like, there was one challenge that she had at school. You know, she got, she had a vape and she's only 14 at the time and she had a vape and she gave it a go and because her friends were doing it. My, my like the teachers told my mum and then I found out, but I was the last one to get home. And my mum went off at her and I was like, I snapped and I said, don't you ever yell at her. I said, listen to her. I said, you need to listen to her. Don't yell at her. So I said, I pulled my daughter aside and I said, it's okay. I said, don't listen to Nan. Don't listen to anyone else. Mum's here to listen to you. It doesn't matter if you vaped or if you didn't. Just be honest with me. I just just know that I'm here and I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to ground you. I'm not going to tell you off. I just want to hear you. So she spoke to me. She was scared. She was so scared, you know, because we built that fear in our children. And so as soon as she told me, I did it because I vaped. Yes, mum, I vaped because I thought it was cool. And I said, is that it? And she looked at me like, because I wanted to go off deep down. I was like, <laughs> I was really angry. I wanted to ground. But I had to, I had to approach, make sure that the way I approach it, because I want my daughter to trust me and come to me about anything. So when she, I'm looking in her future, so when she does meet somebody, she's comfortable at telling me like, oh, mum, this guy lifted his hands at me. Oh, this guy yelled at me. And I can talk to her. She can come to me comfortably. So it starts off with baby steps first. That's what I learned. And I was like, well, I need to start now before she gets older. Because, you know, back then when I was a teen, my mum didn't teach me that. She just always would be like growl me and I would just stay silent. She's already silencing me, which she didn't even know she was doing. And so I'll just, she'll be like, go to your room. That's it. You're not getting this, this, that. So I've already built fear not talking to my parents. And we don't realise we're building that. We don't realise that we're silencing our kids by doing that. You know, get to your room or you're, you're doing wrong instead of actually helping them and giving them the tools and listening to them because we, we don't listen. We literally just see they done wrong. So we yell and snap and that's how we build fear. And so that's why I didn't want to build with my daughter because as she, I'm looking into her future for when she does meet someone, she can come to me comfortably and talk to me about anything. And now she does. You know, and even like when she tells me about her friends and I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> like it's the last thing I want to hear. But I have to turn around and be like, oh, no, I need to listen to her because she needs to be heard. So I'm constantly looking in that future for when she does. So I can help her and prepare her for when she does get in that situation. She'll be like, mum, he yelled at me. And I'll know straight away, hey, he's wrong. He's not good. And then I step in, do it the right way. Yeah, That's how we start. That's how we teach our children. Man. Man. Getting parenting advice too. <laughs> Man. Man. But Man. straight up, like, 
quite a timely um, conversation and reminder, yeah. like just with everything, because you know we, our generation, the way we were taught, and the you know it was always that fear and and sometimes it, oh we only do what we um know best, yeah. like, You know what's been taught to us, so um it's been passed down. It's been passed mm. down, and so, so if like each generation has passed that down and built the fear without mm. even realising because they think that they need to build fear to stop that behaviour. Mm. But no, they need to be heard. We need to have an understanding and give them the tools. So good. Not yell at them and abuse them because yeah. then, look, we're teaching abuse. Yeah, right. Not realising. It's interesting, eh? Like, we, we, there's some teachers we have, um, yeah, like growing up and being disciplined by our own parents and, and like you said, Many times, um, what's that saying? You need to be um, seen but not heard. Yeah. You know, and so how many of us have grown up with like, oh, and mum and dad's growling us or disciplining us and we just stay silent and, and live in kind of that fear, yeah. fear of, of being honest and telling our parents the truth. But you're right, there, there has to be at some point where we, even as parents, we need to break that cycle. Yeah, we we, do. We've heard it time and time again for, for decades now. Break that cycle, break that cycle. But no one's ever done anything about yeah. it. They've never actually looked into it. And the why, like, because people always say, like, you know, you got to be strong, you got to be tough. How are we meant to be strong? How are we meant to be tough? I don't get it, you know? All I see is that if you got to be strong and tough, you got to be like, you know, when someone steps you out, <laughs> that's being strong and tough. It's true, true. Mm. You know? So, like, for me, it's just like, what's the tools you're giving me? So there's no coping mechanisms. There's nothing. We haven't been all. It's it's all just say say say. There's no, no actual doing. No how to say. Eh? Yeah. No how to. Well, because interesting. That's a good point. Because for for our men, especially for your son, what what, what some of the tools you're kind of giving your son in terms of um, manhood and being being a young man and being uh, a, a good citizen as as a man. I always tell my son like one thing. He knows not to lift his hands to women. But I always tell him, son, you got to tell me your emotions. Because it's a for I find, especially for men, it's built up anger and it lingers and it lingers. And then all of a sudden they explode but, and they don't do it intentionally. And then they explode at the wrong. They explode through violence and they end up hurting the people they love without even realising. So for me, I always tell my son, like, if he's struggling with his girlfriend or any female that it's making him angry, Ring me, ring me, or go to your sister, or go to someone you feel comfortable, and tell them, because it will help you. Like I always say, and my son does, he knows, or I say to him, well cry son, and if people laugh at you, that's their problem. Don't worry about what people think. I always tell him constantly, don't worry about how people think. And like my other son who's 10, he's a very soft, he's a very gentle soul, he's a little care bear, and so he even knows it's okay to cry because I'm always like, because his siblings will be like, oh, he needs to harden up sometimes. He's just being a sook. I say, no, 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 don't you change him. You don't tell him that he's a sook. No way. Let him be crying. It's okay. Yeah. And like I say to my son, you're a real boy for crying. That's good. Mum's proud of you. You know, I let them know that I'm proud of them showing their emotions. I'm proud, like even when my son, when he gets angry, I'll say to him, let it out, son. And he lets it out. You know, and he, he lets me, because then I'm teaching him, showing him, okay, this is how you cope with it, son. 
These are the coping ne- mechanisms. Because my son, my oldest son, he actually needs to see it physically to help him. Because like we can all say, but he needs he he's not really good at listening. Like he is good at listening, but he still can't yeah. can't understand. So when he cries, I say, "It's okay, son. Cry," and then I'll cry with him to show that it's okay. You know. And then when he's angry, I'm like, I show him how I get angry. So when I'm angry at people, I like go outside and I start punching, <laughs> start punching the wall, the air. And then I, I come back and I'm like, I'm okay. I show them, I show them, I give examples and I show them. I let them see it. And then that, you know, because we're, we're our children's role model. We don't realise. Kids learn from us. And so my sons are watching me, my daughters are watching me. And they understand, so they see it, and they do it. And then, so my son's like, oh, okay. So they understand, and that's the tools I give them. Mm. You know, those basic, we don't realise that we, we need to, sometimes we just, our kids need to see it. They need to see the vision yeah. to understand it. That's awesome. That's good, man. Good, good, um, good korero, um, Mia. <laughs> You mentioned um, a couple of times, Mia, about um, the need for men to, um, you know, share their emotions and their feelings. Um, when you look back on your experience with your ex, does that apply to him? Like, do you see that some of what he was doing? Because I saw in an interview you had mentioned that you don't hate him anymore. You just hated his behaviour. Yes. So when you think about that behaviour, was it a lack of being able to share who he was and how he was feeling that kind of... Was that a common theme, you reckon, if you sort of reflect on that? Yeah, I look back at it and I look, it's it's not his fault. No one taught him how to, like, all he saw was his dad beating his mother. So it was normalised, you know, so that's all he saw. That that was his surroundings and that's that was okay to him. So to him, he had never been shown that it was okay to be to be sad. It was okay to cry. And that's why I truly believe why they push to drugs, alcohol, and why they go to gangs, because they need to feel like they're cared for. Because, you know, gangs give that, oh, you're my bro, we care for you, we're here for you, we ride or die. No, not at the end, they don't really. But that's, for, for me, I've noticed and like, I look back at my ex and he wanted acceptance because he didn't get in from his father because his father had this strong, tough persona. And, you know, and that's that's all he had to lead off by example. So he went to the gangs for that need of feeling loved and cared for. And, oh, they wanted him. And that's why I feel why he went that way. And it's sad because he didn't know how to express his feelings. He didn't know how to control his anger. He had no understanding. He just saw if he got angry, he lashes out at people. He hurts the people that he loves because that was normalised to him. You know? And that's the sad thing. It was really sad. You know, he he didn't actually get a proper childhood. And that's why I don't want for my children. I want to make sure that I've equipped them for all those coping mechanisms. That's the most important thing for me. Like, I don't really care about schoolwork. I care about I've taught my children and prepared them for life. I've given them their coping mechanisms. That's the most important thing. That's a priority to me, teaching my children how to love, how to express themselves. That's so important. Oh, that's 
awesome. I loved it. And and I love that you brought that up. Um, and, and sort of going back to you being able to find this forgiveness and find this healing. I imagine in that time frame, there's a lot of emotions and trauma that come with that. And so I just wanted to hone in on some of that. So um, you mentioned that your ex had done boxing before. Um, and I wonder what the experience is like. Because I imagine there's some, you don't want to talk about it. You want to avoid it. Then there's frustration at him, frustration at yourself. Um, um, a wide range of emotions. So when I think about you boxing and then your ex-boxing, I'm like, was there ever a time where like, even just the association of like boxing is scary, where it's like, shit, he did this. Yeah. Now, but it's something I'm good at and I'm doing. Like, did you have to kind of distance that association in your mind mentally to like yes. make it something enjoyable for yourself? Yes, definitely. So like... That's why I never wanted to come back to boxing. And when Isaac said to me, oh, you're going to be the next world champion, I was like, oh, my gosh, I've heard this before. But not towards me. I've heard it in my ex. So I was so scared of taking that leap and being like, oh, but this was his thing. It's not really mine. I need to find my own thing. So I was so scared. But then I thought, no, why don't I give it a go? Because at the end of the day, I need to look for me. And if boxing is for me, it's for me. And I'll stay in it. And it's my choice, not his. I'm not living under his shadow. Because that's what I thought. I was like, oh, I'm following his steps. I'm following his shadows. But no, I didn't. I created my own style. I created my own boxing journey. You know, I didn't live under him. I didn't live under his shadow. But the first, yeah, the first couple of weeks, the first no, not weeks, I'd say the first six months, I kind of felt like I was living his shadow. And it wasn't until I got in the ring and I had my first fight, I was like, no, this is me. This is not him. And I finally felt free from that, you know, because I was so scared. I wasn't scared of boxing. I was scared of living under his shadow. You know, I thought I was living his steps, but soon as I've had that first punch in the ring as a professional boxer, I was like, well, this is so me. I am here. So I felt free, yeah. So, yeah, I did have – I definitely did have challenges for the first couple of months and then I evolved and realised, no, I can create my own destiny. Don't live under someone else. That's cool. I love that. Um and another thing you mentioned, you sort of talked a little bit about faith. And um, if I recall correctly, faith was something that you had growing up. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, falling pregnant. And then, you know, we've talked about shame and like being silent. Like was faith a part of, because yes. it's always a, a double-edged sword in terms of like faith can help you, but also the expectations of faith can cause you to go further into silence and like, oh, crap. Yes. Like you have to fall into line to feel accepted again? Yes. Was that the case for yourself? Oh, 100%. 100%. You know, I was brought up in faith. My mum was a strong believer. And I respected my mum. No, one thing, I always respected my mum. I always honoured my mum because in the Bible it says, you know, it's one of the commandments, honour your parents. May your days be long on this earth. So I honoured my mum. I listened to her. But, man, was I scared because it was something I didn't want to do. 
but at the same time it was I knew I had to listen and so that's why I was so ashamed and I was so scared and then I was also scared to speak to my mum about it, any of the struggles I went through and when I did speak to my mum her was forgiveness forgiveness so for me it was like oh damn it okay I must fight and we didn't believe in divorce so very strong on don't believe in divorce so my mum always taught me you know always forgive and you know he trust in our heavenly father so I did that but it was very hard and that also kept me silent as well you know because I was too scared I was too I was more ashamed of letting my parents down when really I was letting myself down and I wasn't being true to my faith because I was lying without realizing I thought I was honoring my parents and I was respecting the Bible but I wasn't I was lying because I became a hardened heart and that's and I wasn't truly loving and I, that's why I say like you know with that hardened heart true love now I truly know what true love is it's it's not just about loving someone it's forgiving as well which is the hardest thing to do <coughs> so yeah that's yeah faith had a big that was 50 percent I would say 50 percent of part of like my struggle of shame and embarrassment because the worst thing is I hated letting my parents down and my mum you know she was a solo mother raising her children like her four kids and I appreciate what my mum did and you know the greatest like I was angry at my mum at that time but now I'm happy because she taught me about faith mm-hmm. you know and faith without my faith if I didn't know that knowledge then I wouldn't be as strong as I am now and I wouldn't be as so forgiving because faith also taught me forgiveness. So without faith, I wouldn't have learned that. <coughs> That's cool. You, you explain, like, you said that um, in order for you to forgive, you got to know love. Um, where did you see that love? You, you've explained it in your kids and through the people at the gym. And, like... In order for me to really forgive someone, I gotta know what grace means, you know. Then this, and, and for me, the only unconditional love I think about is like what you explain, like Jesus Christ, like God. That is that my form, love. That yeah. is where I. That's where I got my grace. Wow. That's where I went at peace because how did Jesus do it? I still like you know how did mm. he do it? I look at it and I'm like, how kind and caring he was and he was still peaceful he still loved his enemies that's powerful alone and i still look back at it and i read through it and it's it's powerful we don't realize because like we don't fully in tune it we just read it but we actually don't in tune into it and i really in tuned in it i solely just looked at it envisioned it like could i do that and I, and i was like he physically walk through that so how come I can't do that spiritually because he physically was just painful that would be horrible because I'm like oh imagine that doing that in real life so for me I'm like it made me realize what our body can actually go through 
Do you know, we we actually find excuses for ourselves. But I look at, you know, Jesus Christ sacrificed so much. He was so powerful. And he actually given the tools. He's actually showing us, like if you read, he's actually given us the tools. Our body is capable of doing anything. We can break a bone. We can starve for months. But we can still survive. But it's our mentality that gets us through life. And how strong and how powerful is our faith? That's the test there. Do you truly believe in your faith? Do you truly trust in him? Because if you truly trust in him, you truly love him. And you truly forgive. And you are, you're expressing and you're allowing his faith to come into you. You let go. You know? That's how I just look at what Jesus Christ did for us. Constantly look back. So when I do go through challenges, I'll just read my Bible. And I'm at peace. Like people don't know that side of me. Mm. I quite, I keep that quite hidden because like for me, it's just that's something I keep to myself because I feel like church for me, church is in my heart, church is at home. That's what church feels because, you, you know, I don't really tell people because that's for me and that that's what I keep to me and it's very sacred to me. It's awesome. Because some people just laugh and think, Ugh, why do you believe in that? <laughs> yeah. But I don't. And I don't like it being insulted. Mm-hmm. I, I That's why I don't really speak about it because it, it, it hurts me when people do insult my faith. So I, that's why I just keep it to me because I only need to have a relationship mm-hmm. with him. I don't need to show everyone that I have a relationship. But I just keep my relationship with him. And, you know, with even for boxing, whatever's thrown at me, I just put all my heart, soul and faith into our Heavenly Father. You know, and I put all, I always pray. People don't see that. I always pray and I just believe. And I just look at, okay, what are you, what challenge are you putting in front of me today? Am I gonna be an overcomer or I'm just or am I gonna fall short and listen to the devil? No, I'm gonna be an overcomer and I'm gonna walk your walk. He's given us all the tools. We just don't realise it. You know, read, read, trust in him. He throws challenges at us to 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 test us, to put us, you know, are you really for him? You know, he's he's all about love. And the greatest gift you can he gave us was love. Why can't we give that to a people? He he loved the people that hurt him, that stabbed him in the back. You know, so for me that's that's true love. And I just always remind myself there. Read our Bible. Man, you know why I'm laughing in my head? Because I'm convicted and I was going, oh, God, did you send this one to me? I'm going, oh, she's preaching to me. Forgive me, God, forgive me, God, for my sins. And I like how you share it because you don't see many people talking like this about, like, we don't normalize some of the stuff we're going through, but we also don't normalize. our faith because yeah. it's been taken away from us and it's yeah. been mocked apart and at the same time and you know people don't understand unless you have this relationship then um so yeah uh, i just love that about you it makes <laughs> sense now when your arms dislocated that you can enjoy that and i'm like thinking 
Like you're saying, man, Jesus went through all this. Man, you went through all this. <laughs> you know, yeah. Some of the stuff that you But that's what enjoyed. makes me mentally strong because if I didn't know that, yeah, then I would have just, I would have given up. But I just look, I just turn to my faith and I look at that. That is a role model for me. That is my example and I live that and breathe that. And so that's why I'm like, I just won't give up. I'll fight because he fought for us. We wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for him. So that's why I'm like, our body can go through anything. Man, you know, last night, because we, me and my wife, whatever, whatever. She wants to go run the the, the 11K run next month. And I'm like, man, haven't been training in ages. So we started this week to do like um, 3K runs every day. Tuesday I started and then last night I was like just finished work and then she got ready to go and I was like oh <laughs> I was like oh no, I'm feeling a bit sick and she goes ah and so she went for a run but then you know how <laughs> was going you know our body can do all this we make up excuse okay oh yeah okay after you know after this podcast I'm gonna go back to bed I'm gonna go right <laughs> up there I'm gonna run tomorrow <laughs> Oh, but oh, it's, it, it yeah. shows that it's our mentality. Yeah, it is. You know, it's yeah. our strength, our mindset that gets us through. That that that's what makes us strong. Mm. And we're all destined to be great, but it doesn't have to be great. You don't have, like people look at great like it has to be something like like something famous or popular. Mm. No, do you know what? For me, greatness is like just sending your child to school mm. every day. That's greatness. Because you know what you're teaching them? Consistency. And that's, you know, you're already teaching your children. You're already prepping them for when they do go to work. Because all they know is the only day they're allowed to take off is when they're sick. Like when they're generally sick, not fake. (laughs) So, you know, people don't look at, that is great. You're being a great parent for sending them to school every day. Those little things, that's greatness. You know, that's what... That's what doesn't get recognised. Because everyone thinks it has to be, you know, something famous, like has to be a world title, you know, things like that. No, it doesn't have to be that. Man, man. I was, to be honest, man, I wasn't even expecting this kind of call. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, we get to talk about the world title and, and defending your title and your championship. But look, you just, you you are, you're throwing bombs, you 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 just... <laughs> Sharing things that um past guests that have not shared, in, in, even in terms of, of faith. Now I don't think many people have talked about faith. Yeah, what's all saying? But you, oh, you, you, the negative side of faith, <laughs> which is you know, you know, it that's a big part of like our people, but also like why people are hurt. Because mm. yeah. also, you know, you found this love. Um, in a gym Yeah You know th- Those guys uh, Personified what grace looked like And um, Affirming to you But It's sad that Some of our churches um, Don't do that A lot of the Backstabbing The judgment Comes from The people of faith And yeah. And you know We've got to realise Like um, That You know We serve a perfect God With But With imperfect people just yeah. like us and if we I guess navigate like I don't know as we continue to live out what God teaches us then we can build you know a better community and yes. 
and I mm. love the community that's built um, around you. And and you personify that, like you continue to show grace and love, and yeah. and you guys affirm people and encourage one another and believe in each, each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is believing. Mm. You know? So really be strong to your faith and you'll believe in people. It's interesting. It is interesting, um, yeah, because you are, you're an embodiment of of your faith. I think a lot of people can speak about faith and regardless if you're, you're religious or you're not a believer or whatever you believe in or atheist, but you personify that in uh, in real life, you know. You, yeah, you 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 love on people, grace, forgiveness. You went through some some atrocious times and horrific events in your life, but look who you are. You're still here. You're sharing. You got a voice. You're the world champion, the IBO super mentalweight champion of the world. Um, but you still show grace. Uh, and I don't know. I don't even know if I could even like you know. I, I'm a believer of myself, but even it's kind of like when the rubber meets the road. A eh? yeah. Can you really do it? Yeah, can you really can do you it? Can you really do yeah. it? Can you really stand up and say, hey, yeah, I'm a believer, this is my faith. And I think that's where the, 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 the truth test is, and the, 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 where the, you know, the, the, we, we sit, when people kind of say, hey, okay, you're really tested, truly tested through those, the, the hardships, do you really stand up and really stand up for your faith? I love that. I love that you, you're quite confident, you don't shy away from it. No, um, yeah. And even if you say, oh, I, don't, I don't have to share with everyone else, it's my relationship with it, between Jesus and, my, and myself. It's so cool. I reckon it's so cool that you're able to share with the brothers as well. But I do like the fact when you talk about the physical, like physical and spiritual. But I, I, I love it. I 100% agree with the, the mindset. Yeah. Because I know how many of us mm-hmm. in here, we, you know, physically, we, you know, we can push ourselves to the to, to certain extremes. Um, but physically, but how many of us in here mentally yeah. can overcome a lot of the, the hardships and push ourselves? And you said greatness. How many of us can push ourselves to greatness, whatever the level of greatness it may be. But how many of us in here can really push ourselves um, to the extreme mentally? Yeah. And so for you, do you feel like you've reached that that, that kind of maximum or do you feel like, man, oh, there's so much more that so I can do? So much more. There's so much more for me to give. And I'm not stopping. And like, you know, one thing I've really learned in my faith, don't limit yourself. Mm. Don't limit. People will say, oh, but you're getting too old. No, don't you put a limit on me. <laughs> I refuse that, you know. I refuse that for, for me to be limited. So I don't do that for myself. Crazy, that's incredible. Any first level of super saying eh? Yeah, <laughs> just carry just on. <laughs> don't. You, know, you can be whatever age you want, but go for it. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid. And how cool is it that... Um, you headlined a boxing event. Yeah, that's cool. I'm still shocked at that. I still can't believe it. I'm like, yeah, hey, I beat the boys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's normalising that as well, that women can headline these yeah. massive events. Yeah. Like, oh, so amazing. It, it makes me so proud yeah. because I'm a, I, can, like, I can give hope to our yeah. kids because at the end of the day, our kids are the next generation yeah. coming through. And we need to fight for them. That's it. Cool. Yeah, we need to fight for them by standing up, being strong, and showing them that, you know, because we open those doors for them. If we don't fight and we stay silent, then look what we leave behind. Mm-hmm. We don't open any doors for our children. I love, you know, when your titles, 
and where you're at now, does that define who you are? No. 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 There's so much more for me. I don't even know who I am yet. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm I'm still learning. And I'm still growing. And it's amazing because like I'm just like, yes, I'm a world champion. But I will feel I feel more like a world champion, like boxing's like the vessel and but I can be that role model. I can lead by example and show that it's okay to be not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay to show struggle. Because I I don't know, but I haven't seen it in athletes or, you know, famous people like no one talks about it. And like I wish I I wish they did. I wish they talk about the struggles because it helps our children because then they look at, you know, because there's kids that are going through real hardship and they're going, they're getting beaten up, you know, or all sorts. They're going through real hard times. But they can look at me and be like, there is hope. I can be where she is because she's been through hardship. Even for our people, you know, the people that are, got, that are, that are like me, it gives them that hope that, Oh, she's going. She's been through that, so I can do what she's doing. You know, it doesn't have to be boxing. Yeah, it yeah. could be in business, work, hobbies, and anything. You know, I want to be that voice. I want to <coughs> change that narrative. I want to. I want to make the change by normalizing failure, by normalizing embarrassment. You know, normalizing that uncomfortable. It literally is okay to be. Not okay. That's just how I feel. I love that. Hello, hello. Did you see? Yeah, you're an entrepreneur as well. You're, you're a business businesswoman as well. Are you running your own business, um, man? No. So like Isaac's just teaching me. Like so, I've opened my own business because as a professional boxer, and like I've only just learned. So my business is a nightmare, limited, which I like literally was like jumping for joy. Because I didn't even know how to open a bank account or how to run a business. I was like, I, I said to Isaac, like, really? <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Like, I could never do this. But he's just guided me and taught me all the way through. And he's like, you can do it. And so it's amazing. Now I've got my own little business and it's, <laughs> I still freak out. I still wake up and I'm like, well, see. Well, so what is it? What does it entail? Are you like selling merch and all that or just? No, so like. I'm just a professional boxer. Yeah. And then I'll just evolve from that. Yeah. Yeah. That's your brand. Oh, your that's brand, my brand. Yeah, nightmare, yeah. yeah. My brand. So that's where we started, which is really cool. And Isaac said there's so much more to come. Yeah. And I was like, I believed in that and I've held that. And I'm like, yeah, there is. Of course there is. I'm not giving up here. <laughs> I'm 33, but I feel like I'm 22 and I've got so much to give. And I've, there's so much more to come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, inspired, man. Man. Really inspiring, man. <laughs> you've um you've mentioned a little bit about uh, a lot about um what I how Isaac operates and a lot of the things that he's taught you along the way. And you mentioned before about how Isaac had changed from when you'd met him earlier to how he is now. I'm curious about how of what Isaac has learned because I'm sure it's a two way street. Even if I'm not sure if he admits it, but I'm certain that it's a two-way street in terms of he will help you, but you guys will also help him in a way. What are some ways in which you've 
being able to give back or help Isaac or something that Isaac's been able to learn from you? Oh, I, f- I feel like just me being myself. And <laughs> the cool thing is I'm like, just for me, like I'm not a girly girl. I don't like dresses or anything. So like I'm always like I'll dress up like me. I don't – and if people tell me I need to wear a dress and stuff, I'm like, no, I'm going how I want to go. And I think, like, the same for Isaac. He's like, nah, okay, well, my little motor girl, she's hoary. So she's she's going hoary, I'll be hoary because that's how we feel comfortable. So, like, oh, there's a lot of things. I think there's a lot of little things that we, like, that I've helped him, even though he's given so much, but there's a lot of things. And I, I help in the gym too. You know, I'm just as good as a coach as him. Yeah, Definitely. <laughs> but he's taught me all the, the coaching skills. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely I'm really like I help with all the boxes as well. And like I just get into their heads mentally and like make them resentless like re- relentless because I'm like, don't you give up. Don't you can fight this. Do you believe in yourself? Don't you doubt yourself. And then, like, I'll manipulate and be like, they're coming here to knock you out. And I'll find things like, what makes you angry? And I'll say it, and, like, they'll tell me, and then I'll be like, this person said this about you. And they switch straight away, you know? So I'm good at, like, I've, like, I'm good at that. So, yeah, I think that's what makes me a better coach. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh at me. <laughs> I was just wondering, nah, I was going, <laughs> can you coach Pete? Like, what would you say to Pete if he was getting ready? Yeah, yeah, man, we'll tell you, give me that, that pep talk in the corner. If I'm, I'm down, we're down several rounds, and like, oh, man, I'm losing. What would you say as a coach? What would I say as a coach? Yeah. I'll turn around and say, do you believe in yourself? Do you love yourself? Are you determined? Do you really believe you can do this? Do you? Yeah, coach, yeah. Are you strong? Well, show <laughs> me that you are. Show me that you're strong. Show me that you're a lover by letting it go. <laughs> I know, it's really, I'm really in tune with people. Mm. I know, like, these things, like, for some people, they don't want to hear the negative. They want to hear the kindness. That's what encourages them. Some people want to hear the negative. So not everyone's the same. Each person's different. And so for me, I felt like you were more of a gentle soul. And kindness is what boosts you. Yeah, I was going to give them love, the the right hook. Yeah. (laughs) But that's what, but, you know, for you, that's what motivates you. That's how I feel. Because that's coming from my, so I normally go on how their energy how they're feeling. I kind of pick it up like that. It's awesome, yeah. Real intuitive, eh? Yeah. So you've got to really, really be in tune to that person and how you can trigger them. So, yeah, because not everyone's boost, uh, boosters by negativity. Some people yeah. boost by love and kindness and by knowing how great they are. Yeah. That's what builds their mentality. And then some are negative. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. 
You're giving you a bit of a glimpse, eh? a bit of a, bit of a glimpse into the, to the boxing world. This is that's cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Would, would there be an, uh, an opportunity if, if someone needed to get a, a nice slap in the face? Like, come on! If there if, if there was always that opportunity that it, that would arise, and you think, man, this is the pers- person that only listens to to a physical. Um, uh, oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've had that once. <laughs> <laughs> on you, on you. Yeah, I've had that once. No, like, hey, it's just because he was like my world title fight. And I was just like, why is she waking up? Because I was so like in La La Land. I was like, because ah. I was just focusing on like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. My, 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 my back is hurting. And he's like, wake up. And I was like, oh, oh, oh yeah, wake up. I'm fighting. So, you know, there's sometimes, that's why it's important for him to understand mm, and know who we are because yeah. he knows what triggers us. He knows when we're down or when we're like, we need to wake up. And then like, he's like for Andre, he's like, he's had to slap him and like just fully abuse him for Andre to be in tune and build courage and trust that what, what Isaac's saying is that he needs to harden up. So... And it does, it works. It works for Andre. You know, he, he loves it when the coach is abusing and yelling at him because that's how he switches and he becomes brutal. And then with Jerome, it's it's different again. You know, Isaac has to be a bit different again. So, yeah, I don't know how he does it because I freak out. I still, uh, it's <laughs> amazing because it's like, and I see, I learn by, by a great role because my coach is a great role model. So I learn from that and I learn from him. And that's how I stay in tune with people. He's taught me that because I watch how he is towards us as fighters because we're all different. We're not the same. So he changes. His voice changes. His (laughs) attitude changes. It's all different between all of us. And it's really amazing. So that's where I've learned too. It's cool, man. It's kind of cool hearing you talk about that – in terms of like from the outside perspective, you know, we use the word abused in terms of like, you know, slapping, swearing, whatever. Um, but the key difference being that the fighters trust his judgment. Yes. And because he knows them so well, he can tailor make the motivation, yes. you know, the cues for motivation based on his intimate knowledge of the fighter. Yeah. It's just, it's really cool. And I'm seeing parallels with like, um, I'm always biased because I'm a teacher by trade. So just seeing the parallels in terms of under, knowing your students and the kids and getting to know who they are outside of the classroom can help inform the way they learn and yes. like tailoring the content so that it's digestible for them. Yes. Yeah. So it's that just really so cool true. to see that for, for you guys and Isaac. So, yeah. Yeah. So awesome. yeah, he's never done it to Jerome because... Jerome's completely different to us. So it's amazing. He's always been like, he's real gentle with Jerome. He's very like, he, his voice changes, very toned down. With Russian, it's more aggressive. And then I feel like for me, it's in the medium, you know. he'll. It's only when I like wimp out or when I, I need a switch, he'll raise it and then he drops back down. But yeah, so he's constantly different. And that's why I feel it's important to know who who we are and it's it leads by example. So you know, Isaac's done an awesome, amazing job. And he shows that in our, all our kids as well at the gym. It's amazing. That's cool. I loved it. Jeez. Just when you look 
back to where you were six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, did you ever imagine you'd be where you are now? Like in terms of life, enjoying life, the way you are with your children, forgiveness, being a world champ. Did you ever see that light? Like Never. I actually didn't see no light. I just mm. saw I was going down and down and down. And I was like, how am I going to live? That's literally how I thought. Like, because I didn't know how to live. After I had fully left my partner and he let, like he just let go and left me alone, I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh my gosh, how do I survive? Because I had no understanding. I didn't know how to do it. So I, if you asked me six years, two years, four years ago, I literally thought I'd still be in a hole, you know, or not even alive. That's how I visioned it. So it's amazing. Now I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> well done. Yeah. And just for if this episode ever comes across someone that is in that same position where you were, and if you could speak to that person, um, what would you say? What would I say? Don't be afraid. Get out. Protect yourself and speak. Use your voice. Go out there because you deserve so much better than that. Don't settle for that. Get out because that's greatness alone. You are strong. You are relentless. You are beautiful and you are great. And you deserve a beautiful life. It may not be beautiful to everyone else but it's beautiful to your eyes. So go out there, fight for yourself and believe in yourself because you don't deserve that. No one does. No one deserves to be hurt. No one deserves to be trashed. That is wrong. People like that are negative. That's not good for your life. Surround yourself in positive energy and go and get help. Don't, it doesn't have to be police. It doesn't have to be a lawyer. But go through friends, go through family, get them to speak and keep sharing, keep sharing. But don't give up. Don't give up and really let your voice be heard. Scream to the top of the world. Let everyone know who you are. If you have to yell on the street, yell it. And you know what, one thing I say, if you hear those people, because a lot of people turn away and look at them like, Oh, you're stupid. Honestly, because I've had it, like, just recently, like, I'll say just recently, I had it in the mall. And no one wanted to help me. The security didn't even want to help me. And I'm clearly saying to all the workers, can you please call the police? No one wanted to help me. They looked at me like, you're stupid, save yourself. But this person came into my space showed up with my kids. I mean, I had my kids and they came and crowded and he started yelling and abusing me and yell, yelling and shouting my name. No one wanted to help me. They all pulled their phones out though. Why? Why do that? I would never do that. If I saw someone, I would step in or I would call the police. And why didn't the security do anything? See, our people, they shut. They, don't, they stay out of it instead of actually doing something about it. We literally can sit here and tell them, use their voice, but help them. 
Literally, they're asking and being begging for help. That's how people die because we're ignoring them. Because we're too ashamed to help them or because we look at them and we view them and we assume that that's their choice. But really, this person, you know, has come into their space. So if they're yelling, if they're shouting, help them. If you're too scared to help them, call the police. And let so at least we know they're okay. Too many people are dying. <coughs> Too many people are dying and we hear it, but we ain't doing anything. You know, and not like that that incident that happened to me at Newland Mall, and the security just looked at me while my ex was abusing me, which was my other partner, and he's yelling and screaming and embarrassing me. And I'm like, I've done nothing to him, he just showed up out of nowhere. All I asked was stop stealing my stuff from my house because we just thought, I asked him, are you taking things from my house? And then he just lost it. He saw us at the mall because I hadn't seen him for ages. He saw us at the mall and he just attacked me. And I'm asking the security, I'm asking people, can you help me? No one helped me. It took an old lady to come in and grab my kids and then check that I was okay And then I called my coach and my coach saved me. Why did it take me to call my coach when there was people right there and they were just looking at me? And this is in a public mall. No one did anything to help me. So that was quite sad and very painful for me to see that. It was actually happening to me. And then it made me realise, wonder why our people are too scared to speak. Because we all turn our heads. No one actually does anything. And then people say, it's because we don't want to get involved. We don't, get in hurt. we don't want to get hurt. Well, call. You've got a phone. Call the police. No one does anything. Yeah. So, you know, I, I can all, it's like the best thing I can give is people use their voice. But when, when people are not listening, then we're doing just as much damage. You know, if they die, all we did was st- stand there and watch them and hear them and walk away or pull our phones. Too many people pull their phones out and watch watch people get abused and do nothing about it. Me, if I see it, I'll call the police straight away. Or I'll just grab her. I'll grab them and just pull them right out of the situation and then check that they're okay. No one does that. It's so sad. Yeah, and I wonder what that is, eh? I think that's been, I wonder if that's like a culture, cultural thing with, with um, that's been de- developed in terms of like, oh, don't snitch or yep. um, that's, that's not my problem, that's yours. And, yeah. And so I love what um, you're saying and you're encouraging like, man, if we don't do anything, if we stand there and we remain silent in terms of not helping, what we're part of the problem as well. Exactly. That's how I see it. Yeah. And that's why I just, I just want people to stop doing that. Like just do something about it. Because if you just look, watch and stare, then you're basically killing them yourself. That's how I view it. Well, that's awesome. Well, and you're right, uh, Mia, because there's been a lot of people in the past who've been attacked 
in public and people have just stood there and then got their phones out and started recording them. I think there's, there's, there's a lot of fear, genuine fear in terms of none of my business, I don't know what to do, I might get hurt. And also it's kind of backfired on them, on those people who try to help, then they end up being charged uh, for helping. And so I think there's a level of desensitised or people have been desensitised to, to helping people, which is yeah. really sad. And then, but if we don't yeah. make a stand, exactly. yeah. then they're just going to carry on. Do you know? Yeah. If then that's how gang members become bigger, because they're allowed to do whatever they want because people are staying silent. When we can beat them, we can actually beat them. We can defeat them by using our voice. Keep calling, even if it takes ten times to call. Keep calling. Don't give up. Why do we give up straight away? Why do mm. we let one little thing say, "Oh, that's not going to help"? Then we're like, "Okay." We'll just leave it. We'll just park it. Mm. Look what we leave behind. That's the sad thing. I'm thinking about our kids. Look what we're leaving behind. Look what we're teaching. That's why our kids are never safe. Because generation after generation has done nothing about it. They've just stood there every time and looked at it and watched it. And never fought and done anything about it. That's why I love my coach because, you know, he led by example. He, he made a stand when it, you know, that referee cheated. You know, but why can't we make a stand when it comes to violence, abuse, even, you know, mental abuse? We hear it, but we don't do anything about it because we just, we just carry on in our normal daily life. And then next minute we find out two days later they're dead. We're the criminal as well for listening to it when we could have done something. We can defeat these people. We can defeat everything, but we just choose to be silent. So for me, I'm looking, I'm looking further. I'm looking for our future, and I'm looking not just for mine, but I'm looking at our children's generation because it's never been changed. And that's why I want to change it because I don't want my children being grown up in that. But if I fight and make a stand, because I look at, you know what makes me believe in that? If I make a fight, because our Māori language 10 years ago, it wasn't even spoken. Look at it now. <laughs> now all of a sudden you see the Māori language. Now everyone's celebrating Māori language, Tongan language, every language, Taiwan language, and it's amazing. That's beautiful. And because people fought for that, they fought for it. So now why can't we make a stand and fight for that? It may take years but we're fighting for that generation. We need to look further. Don't look in the now, like look further. We look for, you know, we brought our children into this world. If we want to leave a legacy behind, leave that behind. Fight for them because they deserve better. Because the generation ahead of me didn't do it. So for me, it's important for me to fight. And really interesting and it's interesting to reflect on just the experience at Linmall and I just think it's it sort of illustrates how bizarre our world has become if stepping in to save someone from being abused is the weird thing to do. Yeah. And that the normal thing would be to record it or just to watch. Mm. And I, I it's just it seems weird that we're so disconnected from the hearts of other people that it doesn't even 
bother our conscience to just walk away and let it happen. Yeah. In fact, I think there's some, and I, I'm probably guilty of this myself, um, but I think there's some people that also probably think, I'm just glad it's not me. Yeah. Mm. And because it's our culture, modern society is all really individual. Like we're all in it for ourselves. No one's going to look after our families but ourselves. So why should we look out for other families? And I, I don't know. I, I'm generalizing here. I don't know if everyone, you know, maybe it's just me that's had this thought in the past, but I just, there's lots of reasons and, and it's just crazy to reflect that we can use those reasons without guilt and be like, not my problem. Yeah. What's for lunch today? And like be completely. Oh, just I'm guilty of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guilty of it too. Mm. I've so I've sat behind and just allowed it. But then I reflected back, and like when it happened to me, and I reflected, I was like, "Man, I can't. If I want to sit here and watch that, then what's going to happen for my children? Mm. Is that so? What if my daughter gets in that scenario? Because we don't know, and she might get in it, and." People just pull their cameras. It would hurt me. That would literally crush me. I'll feel more proud that I did something by using my voice and letting people know because I'm fighting for that generation. And that's what I want to do. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. I want to normalise that, you know, go and help. If you don't want to do it because you're, you're, you're too scared, there's other ways. Get the security. That's why security is there. If security won't do anything, Call the police. You've got a phone. Everyone has a phone. Or you can turn around and say, call the police, please, without people even knowing. And you can still call them and the police will come. At least you know you did something. You didn't stand behind. And then, you know, because you've just saved a life. And that's what I want to do. I want to I build that for my children. Not just for my children, but for my children's generation. And for the generation after that, you know, it needs to start somewhere. If it doesn't start, then it's just the same cycle is going to keep going. And we're never going to, it's never going to change. So we need to speak about it. Don't be that standby person. Bystanders, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I think we've surrounded by it so for so long it's become normal it's it like has. when you hear someone screaming it's like oh that's that's just them yeah someone will probably call the police but i love what you're sharing tonight like let's be the change but then also like that's someone's life like yeah that could be our kids yeah and so if if we normalize that man imagine the society that we can you know uh create or change yeah and so Thank you for being that voice. Thank you for modeling that. Like, thank you for even sharing it with conviction because you're saying, okay, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. somehow we need to change, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's good, man. It's funny that you mentioned the kids. It just reminds me of, like, you know, at every school, there's always fights or something happens. The first thing the kids do, they all want to go see the fight. Yeah. Um, you know, they want to be there and be like, oh man, did you see what happened? And everyone gets involved in the goss. Um, and it just, it made me think about that question of like, you know, everyone wants to say that they were there. Um, but the main question should be, cool that you were there, but what did you do? Yes. Like, you know, anyone can be there, but really, like, 
Are you help? Are you contributing in some way? Are you playing a role in the balance of what's happening, or are you literally just standing there, yeah, watching it, existing? Like, yeah, yeah. And I say that to my kids as well. Like, if they see bullying or if they see violence, to speak, and they do. Like my daughter's, her her friend was getting bullied. My daughter came to me, and then so I went to the school. Because she didn't know who to go to. And I was proud that she could come to me. Same with my son. Because I've always taught them and I've always told them, if you see any violence, see any bullying, it's okay to be a snitch. People say if you snitch, you know, it's not a good thing. You know, they, they say, snitch, you die. I've heard it so many times. And I always say to my children, you snitch, you're great. You snitch, you're great. And so my kids, they know that. And my son, like, he literally, and I've told them, if you see bullying, tell the teacher. Don't just tell one teacher. Tell the other teacher. Tell the principal. Tell anyone. Just keep telling. And that's what my son did. You know, he, he saw someone getting bullied. He told the teacher, and that teacher did something about it. And then he came home and told me. And I, you know what? I just, I glorified my son, and I was like, Yay, I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Showing it's victory. You know, you if you show that to children, then you know, it's not you're not you're not silencing that it's it is good to be a snitch. It is good. Because you're helping that kid. You know, and then I've also taught my son that he he was getting bullied. There was a kid that bullied him. He told the teacher, he did the right thing, and then his cousin was turned around and said, you should tell your mum so she can beat him up. <laughs> and then my son was like, no, my mum won't. My mum's always taught me to be kind to the bully because you don't know what they're going through. And he's only 10 and I was so proud of him. Then literally the next day, my son finds out the bully, his dad was beating him up. So I was like, I broke out in tears, but of joy, because I was so proud of my son for being like that. And that's that's purely because I've taught him that, and his aunties have taught him that. Have an understanding that the bully's going through something. And my son always knew that, because I always said to him, you know, people that bully you, son, they're probably going through life, like they're probably, they're homeless or starving, or they're getting bullied at home themselves. So he always looked, that's how he viewed it. And same for my other two. You know, they always viewed it like that. So they never add fire with fire. They always say, they always build it with understanding and kindness and love. That's the best thing we can teach our children. Then it stops the hurting, the violence. You know, we're teaching children understanding. And that's what I'm lo- that's what I love and that's what I'm proud of. Those yeah. achievements. That's so awesome. You know, we're so used to hearing, if anyone touches you at school, you let me know because I'll go and sort out their parents <laughs> or come and sort out. And I always see it on like um, men's uh, chat <laughs> groups where they go, <laughs> oh, my son's getting bullied. I'm going to go um, I'm gonna go to the school. And, but, man, that doesn't do anything. Mate. It doesn't. Yeah. It literally does We're just teaching, if we add fire with fire, like, if we add violence, we're teaching violence. Yeah. Mm. So we're normalising. That's why kids end up, you know, having one-outs or, yeah. you know, one-outs like fights. 
mm. like oh let's have a fight who's the toughest because we're we're teaching that yeah. and we don't realize that we're doing that where we should be teaching understanding listening having a voice you know because people everyone's always going through something and that's why a bully goes because they just finding ways to lash out to feel confident that's how I feel personally and that's how I view it yeah nah I love it I think we're the same I think Jay always turns up to the good school <laughs> oh no you're a teacher so you can't <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome oh man man, man. It's, 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 what, a, what, a, what a privilege what a privilege tonight man we can sit here and just talk about but listen, you are you are a true fighter. I think inside and outside of the ring, and obviously you're social injustice and real passionate about that, and people having a voice and standing up for themselves, and and people doing. And I like what you said, understanding. If people go understand yeah. each other a bit more mm. and um, make time to, to get to know each other, then maybe we won't have a lot of these issues that we're having right now in this day and age. Um, but yeah, with your boxing, where to from now? Where to from here? Like. Are you obviously you got to fight in December, but is it, are you going overseas something, or are you thinking what? What are you and Isaac kind of um, colluding together and saying, man, this we're going to go for another title? What, what what's, what's what does the future hold for you? So the future holds for me is I'm collecting all the belts and I ain't stopping till I get them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm not Go stopping on. until I get all of them. I'm just. And I know, and I believe in myself, I trust in myself that I will get them all. Wow. Because I know my ability, I know my mentality, and I know who I am. Wow. So so, we <laughs> sounds like Pokemon, you're going to all the gyms, collecting all the badges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But life love after it. boxing, I would love to work in mental health or aged care. Wow, That's my passion. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. I did hear that you um, you loved aged care um, as, because it reminds you of your your old nan um, and, and that the old people, they just love to talk. They just want to be heard. And there are so many stories. Um, what is it about, like, what is it about your nan that sort of helps inspire that love for, for aged care? Um, so, like, my nan, she would always tell me about her stories. You know, and, like... Our older generation, the stuff they went through, it, it's amazing. And I love hearing those stories. But the reason why I'm so passionate about aged care is because I truly believe no one should die alone. You know, that's – and it's really sad because a lot of our elderly just get thrown into homes and people stop visiting them, stop showing love. When they're the ones that brought us into this world and, you know, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. And no one deserves to die alone. It's sad that some of them do. And so, like, I always look at it like, because I've seen all my grandparents die in their last breath. But they, they were surrounded with love and their family. And that's the best way to send someone off. And a lot of aged care people that are thrown into homes die by themselves. And that's sad. And I, I'm so passionate about that because I truly believe that you should not die alone. You should die with people, like someone around you, someone with love, because then you die in peace. But if you're dying alone, it's sad. Mm -hmm. 
So that's why I'm so passionate about aged care. Mm, I love love our elderly people. They can be grumpy and annoying. (laughs) Trust me. I was thinking of that. Yeah, they can be grumpy and annoying, but it's because of the life they enjoyed. That's why. That's why they're grumpy. They're just frustrated, and they have a short, they have a short time span. So they they're like, you know, they just want to. They just they just want to share their journey, and they just want to moan to somebody. They just want to express how they feel. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. I love that. I, love, I find that encouraging. I love the wisdom, but then it's the stories. Like you might hear the story like yeah. three or four times over and over, but I love the wisdom oh. that comes from a lot of our elderly. Yeah. I could sit with them and talk for ages. Others would be like, man, they're telling the same story. Okay, they're all good. They just want to talk to someone. Yeah, they just want to. They just want to talk. They're lonely because they're just sitting in a room by themselves with no one to talk to. So they want to tell their story over and over again. And it's just like sometimes you they tell a story over and over again, but you see it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> and the, you know, the, the, what's that saying? That, um, Forrest Gump. <laughs> Life's like a box of chocolates, eh? Um, yes. And, um, I think tonight's just been one of those moments. <laughs> tonight we just had a lot of... Um, uh, we've been treated to different um, aspects uh, of, of of your personality and who you are, but I also love the fact um, you do you do stand strong on your convictions, mm. yeah, uh, and you, your belief, your faith, but also you believe in yourself. I love the self belief, yeah, hundred uh, percent, yeah, and the mental toughness that you have, and we and for you to share with us that you want to get you after all the belts, <laughs> man, that's like man, that's a that's a big cause, a massive call, but you without a shadow of a doubt, you believe in it. Um, 100% and so who's to, who's to say otherwise so Mia has been oh, privileged privileged <laughs> to have you on tonight I have thoroughly enjoyed it I just wish you all the best with your endeavours oh, and I can't wait you know I can't wait for you to win those belts collect those belts and become the undisputed champion of the world yep. and so <laughs> oh my, my little lover thank you so much thank you um, yeah uh, the brothers you have the brothers might want to say a few words or they might have a few other questions I'll, I'll say my part and then Jake and he's got heaps of questions and <laughs> but yeah uh, um, I don't know what to say I'm just really encouraged um, I'm blessed by meeting you um, your story is amazing um, what you have had to overcome and where you're at now and just the self-belief like and it's contagious like yeah. everything you say and every word that comes out of your mouth, uh, um, you say it with conviction, and I believe in it. And even like for, you don't even know me, like, and you don't know what I've been through or um, where I am mentally and spiritually. But what you've had to share tonight was in- really encouraging, and oh, wow. and Thank I feel you. like it's it's God sent, and um, and I'm just really encouraged, like. I'm so grateful we got to meet you, have this Talanoa, because, man, we get to watch from afar and encourage you and pray for you from afar. Thank and I you. can't wait to see um, where you end up, whether you win bouts or you don't. I, I just know that you're contributing to our community, you're contributing to society. Um, whoever gets to watch this podcast, I pray that, they be blessed that the words that go forth will not return void and they'll find good soil. And um, I'm in, 
I'm excited for you, like whatever you put your heart to, um, because man, I see, I just believe like who you are in the ring and outside, like you're the same person, but yeah. um, you're inspiring your, your five children and like the way you are with them and what you're teaching them and what you're learning, like that's like... Man, gold man that's gold like you can tell there's these five offsprings they're gonna end up changing the world because of their amazing mother oh and thank so, you um thank you so much so i'm re- honestly really encouraged and um yeah just just we'll continue to pray for you like outside of this thank you sis. oh thank you i love that um <clears throat> i i I only had really one more question. I think everything else what? you've answered. One more. <laughs> no. <laughs> <That's not laughs> um, I, I was curious about, you know, if 99% of a person's personality, skill, attributes is all the same, what is the 1% that separates greatness from everything else? That's a good question. Oh, you have stunned me there. Can you re-say that, please? <laughs> um, so if, oh, for example, if you're in a boxing ring, you and your opponent, 99% evenly matched. You have good advice from the corner, equal skill, timing, footwork, all that sort of stuff, good advice. Trained, the house down. Trained hard, good camp. What's the 1% that'll separate you from your opponent? My faith. 100% my faith. I am a strong believer and that's what makes me an overcomer and that's why I defeat because I believe in and I trust in him. That's what separates me from everyone else. Love that. And I love that in our conversation, you've been able to speak about that openly and even before you spoke on it, like it comes through in your journey. Um, So like the boys, you know, honestly, wish you all the best and I know that... um, like you said, we're all destined for greatness. What that greatness yeah. looks like will be different to each of us. Yes, it but is. But it's inevitable. Yes. Greatness will come. And Amen, it sure we, is. We look forward to, to witnessing your greatness. So, Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, my Lord love For us. me, it's just been a privilege to share because it's something that I've always, I've always wanted to share. I've always wanted to share all my knowledge and I finally got to get all of it out because most of the time I have to shorten it. And, like, it kind of cuts me. So it's like, damn it, I I didn't fully express who I am. In this podcast, I got to express who I am and what I wanted to share. And that came across tonight. And I'm just so blessed and grateful. And I'm so grateful. I truly believe our Heavenly Father just, you know, guided me here to share that. Because it needs to be normalised and we need to be heard. So, you know, I'm, I'm just so blessed. I'm truly blessed and my surroundings is at peace. I just feel constant love in this room and it's amazing. Oh, man. Man, my Lord, love up, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah, Because it is, when we get together as, as, as men um, in the podcast, nothing is off the table. There really is nothing off the table and we don't come with any uh, preconceived ideas or prejudgment or... 
and even if we disagree, I know we, we can all agree to disagree and still be yeah. friends yeah. and still love on each other. So thank you for sharing that. And we appreciate that you felt safe enough to be yourself and to share yourself fully without being restricted and being constrained and to kind of not share fully who you are. So, yeah. man, Maru lover, thank you. Thank you, sis. But we do have a gift. Every, oh, gift, wow. that, every <laughs> gift that comes on, we always give Go. them a gift. We give them a bit of a caricature. I'll say, Jake, um, there's a caricature, uh, a bit of a cartoon of, of who how we envision them to be. And this is on behalf yeah, of... Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> this is on behalf of the Mandate team for you, Miyamoto. Oh, thank you. I love this. Who drew this? I, I, I <coughs> This is so mean. This is so mean. I wish I could take the credit for that guy. Thank you, Mia. I love it. That is so mean. Oh, we we appreciate your time, Mia. But um, we always give our guests the last words. Oh, but before we do that, is there anyone else that you could think that would be ideal to come on the podcast, Mia? My coach, Isaac Peach, 100%. We have to get that. You have to get him. Because, man, his story alone is just something amazing. Awesome. And what he, the challenges he has to go through, wow, amazing. Cool. Awesome. We'll definitely hit him up, um, Isaac Peach. Um, but also, I guess we always give them the last word of encouragement for our, our viewers and our listeners. Any last words of encouragement, Mia? Love, believe, and trust, and have faith. Nice, nice, uh, awesome. Once again, thank you to the IBO Super Bantamweight Champion of the World. And please don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. We look forward to your wealth and our comments. And as usual, brothers, refine, unlock, and, and take, take charge. charge. Bandit.